You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. start off today, I got a question for you. And the question is this. won't make us go too much longer because we're all going to start laughing. I know. Scott was like, oh, this is going to be a perfect nap sermon, right? Right? Fantastic. Also, I have a lot of things to say about silence. The irony of that is not lost on me. So we can't go too long because if not, we'd be here and I can't break Rob's record. So that would be terrible. But how comfortable with silence are you? Like, as you're sitting there, at first, you probably, like, is, is Logan always being cute? Or did he forget what he was going to say, right? Uh, Logan just being, being silly, being a Logan, pretty classic. But then, then uh, and uh, I got to tell you, just to be honest, standing in front of you, I practiced this. And when I practiced it, I sat. And it, it's much more comfortable for me to sit in silence in my room, like, staring at my computer notes, than it is to stare with like Al making faces at me <laughs> and trying not to bust up laughing. That was, that was a whole different level, uh, logging that one away for future reference. <clears throat> but silence and solitude, it's, it's something that we're not really used to in our society. It's not something that we're, it's, it's not normal. Like if, if, you're, if you're quiet, you can hear the Pepsi machine thing in the back of the room. It's incredibly noisy. There's buzzing coming out of that amplifier up here. There's noise all around us. And a lot of times we just completely ignore it. Now, I was pretty aware of silence because I, when I was a composition major, one of the things that we had to learn, and, and without fail, every single composition student would start off this way. Um, they would, the first couple of compositions they would do would have all of the notes. It would just be like black on the page. There's no silence. They wanted to put all of the ideas in there and all of the thoughts and all of the musical things. And we're going to have all of the voices singing and, and it's just constant barrage of sound. And they'd, they'd play the, the, the composition and, and then the, the professor usually at some point would say, you know you can use a rest, right? 
I don't know who would have ever been told that. Oh, I guess I could use a rest, right? Which is funny because as a performer, there was a lot of times where the band would get yelled at because we weren't playing the rests. You have to play the rest, which doesn't make a lot of sense until you realize that there's a difference between just like letting a certain amount of time pass and letting it pass. Like there, there's a tangible difference. And when you hear a good performer, they play the rest. The silence is important to music. And so I knew that. But within the spiritual world, within just my life, silence is not something that came natural to me. At some point, I heard my, my friend Marty talking to the, our college group about an experience he had as a, as a student where he had a professor tell him that he needed to just go sit someplace quiet until, he'd no longer, until his mind had just calmed down and his mind was quiet. And I can't remember how long it took Marty. It was like a week or something. No, it didn't. I think it was, I think it was a day. It was a solid day. Um, some of you were thinking, oh, that sounds great. Other, others of you would probably, that sounds terrifying. Um, for me, that sounded intriguing. And I, I was a busy college student, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go do that. And that's going to solve all my problems. And so I took, my, I took my fishing pole, and I went out to Spring Valley Reservoir out there, just outside of Moscow, and I, I, I used a bobber that day. I never use bobbers. So I cast one time. And I sat there. I didn't catch a thing. Uh, just watched the bobber. And there was nobody out there. There's no reception out at Spring Valley Reservoir there. It was quiet. And I was stuck there just sitting and thinking. And I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. Kept going. And I got a nasty sunburn on my knees from sitting there for so long. And I was out there for hours. You know it's a long time when you get a sunburn, even though you have sunscreen on. It's a long time. And finally, it was quiet. And that was peaceful. That was nice. So silence has intrigued me for a while. Because you can't just like give up a whole day all the time to just go take a vow of silence or something, right? <laughs> But as I said, our world is noisy, right? The, the number one cause for hearing loss in America is noise, not age. It's noise. It's excessive noise. 30 million people in the U.S. are exposed to excessive, uh, ex, like, excessive noise in their workplace every day. Um, there's a bunch of stats here that I could share that are just fascinating. Uh, one of the, my favorite possibly is that the natural ability for your baby to learn to speak is hindered by having unnecessary noise in the home, like a TV or a radio in the background. They've, they've done studies that show that their ability to learn to speak is delayed and screwed up by having too much noise. It can raise your blood pressure. It can cause chronic and epidemic or uh, episodic tension headaches. In the UK, one in, one in six people has hearing loss. 
by 2035, one in five will have hearing loss. Partially due to earbuds, because we just plug in our earbuds and we constantly have music going. I don't want to know what my Spotify numbers are after, after prepping for this. I don't want to think about those. This year's is going to be, it's already too much, right? Just so we're on the same page, when I say silence, this is what I mean. To abstain from speaking, to listen, and to be quiet. But part of that same coin, if you will, the other side of that is also solitude. And I'll use these two terms interchangeably sometimes, and I'll mean both of them really more often than not, I've realized. Solitude means to be alone or to turn away from human interaction or external stimuli. That's the important one. We're bombarded by external stimuli nowadays. And so we'll work with these two, these two definitions here. And we'll keep them in mind. See, these concepts go together. They're, they're hand in hand. They work in tandem. Richard Foster said, without silence, there is no solitude. Without both of those working together, I think we're going to see that you don't have a certain amount of peace. See, because uh, this, this concept of, of silence and solitude, uh, you know, just the, the stats, the data of saying, you know, it'll raise your blood pressure, it'll cause tension headaches, it'll inhibit your ability as a child to grow and mature. Sounds like it might be important just from a stewardship standpoint. I mean, we just got done talking about stewardship for a couple weeks, right? And stewardship of self was one of those categories. So just from that standpoint, from a health standpoint, silence and solitude, letting your body kind of relax is probably a good thing. Studies have shown that 10 minutes of silence a day, just 10 minutes of silence a day can have a huge impact on your well-being. Blew my mind when I found that out. Because that, that doesn't sound like a lot. For me, it was like, oh, I got to go out to Spring Valley all the time and like eight hours of silence and like become a monk. No, 10 minutes of silence. That sounds doable. More so than the physical well-being, though, I think is the spiritual well-being. See, without silence and solitude, you automatically handicap it's automatically handicapped. Your ability to connect with and connect and, and hear and, and draw closer to God. As we're talking about drawing closer to God through Lent here, if, you're, if you refuse to embrace silence and solitude, if, that, if, if that's just something that you push out or don't have time for, then you're automatically just knocking it out at the knees. Thomas A. Kempis uh, Thomas from Kempen, as I learned, uh, was an old church father, and he said this, In silence and quietness, the devout soul makes progress and learns the hidden mysteries of the scripture. The Catholic Encyclopedia says this, All writers on the spiritual life uniformly recommend, nay, command, under penalty of total failure, the practice of silence. This was an important thing. For all of those church fathers, for 2,000 years, 
of our church history. This has been important. People have realized that this is important. And I don't know if we, I, I, I don't know if there's been a time where it's been more difficult for us to practice silence, for us to be in solitude. It's difficult, right? We're bombarded by stuff. And more so than that, it, it was difficult in the first place because it wasn't necessarily easy for them. I don't think the vow, the vow of silence that a monk takes is, is something that they, oh, I think I'm going to take a vow of silence for the next 10 years. That's not easy to do. It's a problem. It's really hard to communicate, says the preacher standing in front of you talking. I really wish Lauren was here with the like, sign language. That would, she'd just be, that'd be fantastic for this. But I think there, there are two main reasons why this is so difficult on a personal level without thinking of all of the fact that we're just bombarded. There's two reasons, control and avoidance. I spent a lot of time pondering this this week. And control and avoidance, I think, are at the core of why a lot of us don't like silence and solitude. Let's talk about control first. Control is, uh, the problem there is that to be silent is to feel revealed and bare. We described playing Mozart when I was back, uh, back in college, playing, playing Mozart. <sighs> Still gives me a little PTSD there. Mozart we described as running through the park naked. Compared to like a romantic composer like Debussy where there's all of this pedal and sustain and everything's very, it's like a watercolor where it just washes over the whole page. Mozart is like a pencil drawing where there's all of this white space. And it's so easy to rush because you want to rush through the rests because sitting and not playing feels awkward and you feel very vulnerable and very exposed sitting there in front of people counting in your head, trying not to speed up because you know there are notes later and you're going to have to play them and to speed up would be disaster. Not that I would know anything about that. That never went, Mozart never went badly for me. It's a revealing position. To be silent is to feel very revealed and vulnerable. Richard Foster says this. He, this is one of my favorite quotes. He says, one reason we can hardly bear to remain silent is that it makes us feel so helpless. We are so accustomed to relying on words to manage and control others. Think about this. When I'm interacting with you, the primary way that I have to influence you is my voice. That's our primary thing, is that our ability to communicate is exceedingly high. And to sacrifice that feels scary. He continues, uh, if we're silent, who will take control? Well, God will take control, but we never let him take control until we trust him. Because to give up that control with somebody means that you're giving them trust. It's submitting yourself. Silence is intimately related to trust. So I think the need for control, and I identify with that one a lot, like I'm kind of the type of personality that wants to persuade people. So to give up control, that's, my, like, that's like folding on aces. You don't do that, right? 
control. That makes it difficult. The second one is avoidance. Uh, I heard this phrase preparing for this, and it, it cracked me up, something fierce. It said, my mind is like a bad neighborhood. I don't want to go there alone. And if I do, I want to be in a car and I want to get through there quick, right? I want to be armored up and just move right through that. Absolutely. I don't want to spend time in my mind. That's like skid row down there. Terrible. Most people avoid conflict. That includes internal conflict. When we, when we spend time in our heads, a lot of times we, we start setting up conversations with ourselves. We start wrestling with our decisions. Silence leaves you alone with your, your, your ideas. Silence leaves you alone with your thoughts and your fears and your worries and the things that you, you, just, you feel impending doom about. Like, oh man, I still have to clean my room. There's a gigantic hole in my wall still. Right, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> Who would drill a hole in a pipe? I don't know. Don't worry, Mike. There's no pipes near your windows, I hope. We'll find out. So you're left sitting there. That's why when we hit the pandemic, y'all remember when the world shut down? Remember that bit? And suddenly everyone was alone and forced into solitude, which was wildly uncomfortable. And suddenly... All of these, like, everyone loved Zoom all of a sudden, or the, the TikTok videos, TikTok exists now. Oh. See, and it's really easy for us to avoid. That's, that's it's so easy. See, we, we walk around with these things in our pockets, right? And all I have to do is open up Instagram, and I've got hours of entertainment where I can just keep watching videos of who knows what, or TikTok. I, I refuse. I will not. But it doesn't matter what app. It could be Reddit. It could be, it could be your news app. It, we're bombard- this is an unending like, f- stream of information that you can just distract yourself with, right? And we're not limited to just our phones. We've got Netflix. We've got HBO. We've got like every streaming service imaginable. We've got I don't know about you, you can, I can just find projects to constantly distract myself. There's always something. I became a homeowner and suddenly I have projects forever, right? There's always something to do. And clean something. I, I can go play a video game. I can avoid like a champ. So easy to not spend time. And the thing is that all of these things if they're used in, as, a, as a coping mechanism, as a way to escape, they're addictive. Because we don't, doing, spending time in our heads alone and dealing with that conflict in our brains is hard. And we don't like to necessarily do hard things. And that, 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 that doesn't sound pleasant. And so I would much rather just give myself a dopamine rush by watching cat videos. See, here's the, this is interesting. The introverts have the same problem. I did a little research this week. I don't know if you were on Facebook, but I, I asked a question and then I did a lot of reading on people's responses. And I, I had a lot of follow-up conversations with people where I spent more time listening. 
And what I learned is internal noise is just as much a problem. Uh, avoiding shows up just the same, even if they might think it doesn't. Uh, that was my favorite. It was a couple of people who were, they're describing how they're so okay with silence and solitude because they're describing what they do to avoid it. That was enjoyable. I didn't point it out. I just learned. What I did notice, introverts might feel the need for solitude. That might feel like a more natural state to not be around a bunch of people, right? But it doesn't mean that the silence part of that is any more easy. It just means that they don't want to be around a bunch of people as they're being not silent. Again, I, 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 I come back to that without silence and solitude, you automatically handicap your ability to draw closer and to connect with God. Just cut it off at the needs. Let's look at, uh, let's look at 1 Kings here. Let's see what the Bible says about some stuff here. This is uh, Elijah hiding out in a cave. He's, he's, having, he's got himself all worked up. He's ran up another mountain, as he does. And he's hiding out. And, he, and him and God are having a conversation. And God says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. That's noisy. I don't know if you've ever heard a rock breaking, but it's not quiet. Uh, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Earthquakes are not quiet. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. A raging inferno is not quiet. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Just a quiet voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there, was a voice, uh, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Which is, oddly enough, the, the same question that he started with earlier. And then Elijah gives the same answer. But we'll discuss that in care groups and argue about what that might mean. That's a different sermon. The, the, it's fascinating, but a different sermon. Uh, and what I want to focus here is that Elijah's all worked up. He's all hot and bothered. What do you think God is trying to to get Elijah to do here? What's, God, what's God's angle? What's he trying to teach Elijah? He's trying to get him to calm down, to still himself, if you will, before the Lord, and to pay attention. Whether or not Elijah's successful at that, learns that lesson, uh, we can debate about that. I'm convinced that's what God's, God wants him to focus. Focus, focus. Right? All right. Let's look at Zechariah. In Luke, uh, first chapter of Luke. See, uh, Zechariah's just been told by an angel that he's about to have a son. And uh, Zechariah says to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. That's how Gabriel speaks. <laughs> and the people were waiting for Zechariah, 
And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. He'd been in there for a hot minute, apparently. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Why does God silence Zechariah? God silences him to force him to contemplate this God's unfolding plan that's, that's playing out here. Zechariah is getting hung up. God says, no, 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 shh. Watch my plan. Bonus, it also has the effect of letting everyone else know that something just went down. See, if, if Zechariah just believed in and come out and he could still talk or whatever, he could have ignored it. He could have messed up the message. But instead, God silences him and everyone pays attention. That seems important. That seems That seems like we could gain something from that. I think that means that silence could be a powerful witness. Sometimes it's more important to say nothing. And it's louder to say nothing. Let's look at Ecclesiastes. This is maybe my favorite verse of the day here. Came across this one and I was, oh baby. In Ecclesiastes, and we'll read it in the ESV and the NLT just because I want us to see maybe a slightly different perspective here, because the ESV sounds a little wonky, but it's also got a couple of phrases that I really like. So in the ESV first, it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Which at first I wasn't sure what that meant. For they do not know, what they are, they do not know that they are doing evil. Okay, sacrifice of fools is evil. Still don't really know what that is. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. Okay? For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. Okay, that that sounds like Greek to me. Or Hebrew, one or the other. Let's look at the NLT. NLT says this, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Bless the NLT for being just straightforward. Jen's just glowing back there. She's like, yes, they picked my translation. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. You remember the sacrifice of fools? Mindless offerings. Blathering is the word that comes to my mind. And might or might not convict me a little bit. I would never blather. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth, so let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. Much business. Too much activity means that you can't quiet yourself down and rest. Too much external stimuli, going back to our solitude definition, too much coming in, too many things going on in my head, means that I can't rest. And too many words make you a fool. See here, you're being cautioned on entering into God's presence. And if this was wise for the people back then, 
entering into God's temple, wouldn't it still be wise for us today? I don't, I don't think there's anything that changes that wisdom. But as Rob was talking about last week with the Holy Spirit, isn't God dwelling? God's presence is here now with us all the time, walking around with me. That means that that wisdom that applied to the temple there probably should apply to how I just go about my life. Seems a little tougher even, but I I think it still holds true. So the question may be there, because yeah, it's always wise to, to listen more than you speak, right? Two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. It's the old adage, right? It's, it's true. Eight-year-old Logan is just having a, he's furious. Like, I can't believe he's saying that, right? Furthermore, I would say that it's wise to quiet our internal noise for God. I think this passage kind of point, pushes us in that direction and points towards the needing to quiet yourself before God. So maybe the question is, how noisy is your heart? That might be worth wrestling over. How noisy is your heart? Again, I come back to without silence and solitude, though, without these, you automatically handicap your ability to connect with and draw closer to God. It's just cut off at the knees. And in fact, I, see, without silence and solitude, I don't know if you even grow in your relationship with God. The same way that when you, when you sleep, your body grows. As a kid, you know, if you screw up their sleep schedule, they don't grow properly. You can stunt their growth. Lori's like, yeah, science, medical. I remember that one. My parents used it on me for bedtime. They're like, you have to grow. You have to go to sleep. Otherwise, you'll be short. Now, on the other hand, I've been trying to not grow, and so I don't sleep now, and it's still not working, so I don't understand that. But, but in the same way, that, like your body rests and it recovers. Your muscles heal themselves while you sleep, while you rest, while you're quiet. And if you don't do that, you, your body doesn't heal itself, which usually leads to death. Um, in the same way, I think you don't grow in your relationship with God without silence and solitude. Or if you do, it's severely stunted. This is important. And I, I'm hoping at this point that you, you've realized like, silence is probably a big deal. Just from a physical aspect, but spiritual well-being, stewarding our spiritual selves, our spiritual health, silence and solitude are important. I hope that you're, you're kind of with me on this. And I, I don't expect this to just like, oh, you're going to go out, take a bow of silence immediately because that would be one, impressive, and two, insane, possibly. But it's important. This, this Lent, I, I've, I've added a, a, a thing for myself where I'm trying to get, semi-successfully thus far, I'm trying to get two hours of silence and solitude a day. You can pick your jaw back up. <laughs> two hours a day. I, and I, not necessarily all in one chunk. I break it up into two-hour chunks. 
But I'll tell you what, it's been difficult. Uh, I miss the days when it was difficult to just give up Taco Bell. Because I'm also doing that this year, and I'm like, I don't even remember. What is fast food? It's not even a temptation at this point. Oh, crap. That might be growth. We're going to look at it that way. But this silence thing, because I have to plan for it. Because I'm not just like being quiet and turning off my iPod, right? No reading. I'm getting rid of the external stimuli. No doing stuff. The ideal is I'm sitting there like staring at a fish tank, which is very peaceful. But when there's a lot of other things to do, it's testing Logan's resolve. Something fierce. But tell you what, on Friday morning, I, I woke up and I, I did a little breakfast. Hey, breakfast. I know, round of applause for me. Uh, not actually. <laughs> All right, well, that's a thing. Oh, yes, Logan ate breakfast. Well done. Um, yeesh. So I woke up, and then I, I was doing a couple things, and then I sat down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to just get this out of the way. I'm going to just get this, this silence out of the way. So I sit down, and I knock out the two-hour chunk. And I'm sitting there. And, you know, I haven't really had any big revelations from God during this time. It's mainly just been good. But uh, while I'm sitting there in this two hours, it dawns on me, and I become very, very aware that I really just don't feel great. I just kind of feel a little sickish. I'm like, can't put my finger on it. I just don't feel good. I'm like, I'm just exhausted. And I think it was, I let myself breathe, and it was like the adrenaline all just stopped. I was like, I need rest. I just need, I need like not rest. I need like sleep. And I just woke up a couple hours before and I got a good night's, like I'd gotten a good night's sleep. But there was, I, I got nothing done on Friday because I ended up right after that, I went and I, I conked out for like seven hours, middle of the day. And I woke up and Rob had called and texted and was like, are you dead? <laughs> yes. And then I was up for a little bit. I had some dinner, two meals one day. My gosh, killing it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and, then, and then I went back to bed, like, for a full night's sleep. I think in 36 hours, I managed to sleep 24 of them. I woke up on Saturday morning, and I was feeling chipper, feeling fresh. Didn't feel bad a bit. I was like, whew, we're back at it. Slowing down stopping the external distractions, just being quiet and listening. I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that God was like, yeah, you, you should probably just take a nap, which is a very nice thing to hear from God. <laughs> I would recommend it. So let's, let's, let's talk about some steps, some things that you might do to start experimenting with this. Because I'm hoping at this point I've got you convinced that it's important, maybe even intrigued and like, Maybe I could try, I could try something like that. Let's talk about some things. Be, and, and the first thing that we should probably talk about is that the when and the where of connecting with God is important. Um, you don't, if you don't intentionally plan it, I can point to times this last week where I didn't intentionally plan it or I didn't plan it well, and I'm trying to do an hour of silence right before bedtime 
it becomes like a full night's sleep of silence is what happens there, which kind of feels like a loss. It's not a total loss, but it's also, it's not quite the intent. Okay, so we can't do that. And right after I wake up, also not a good time. That becomes really silent right there. It's like an extended thing. But if you don't plan this, then it's going to get drowned out in your busy, your busy, chaotic life. For some people, going and getting out in the mountains, right? Going out camping or hiking or on some spiritual retreat, like that's the place. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. That is good. Problem is you can't do that all the time. Because if not, then you'd just be living in the mountains by yourself, which sounds kind of nice, to be honest. <laughs> just like a bunch of, hey, amen, right there. Uh, cool. All right. Um, we're going to have a bunch of mountain gurus. That'll be Mission Ridge. We'll be comprised of that. Uh, but you just, you, like, it, 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 those get spaced out. And imagine this like a relationship. Uh, if I'm not, I'm not married myself, but I'm pretty sure that the way marriage works is that if you said to your spouse, sorry, hon, uh, you only get to talk to me like once a year, maybe, maybe a couple times a year uh, for a couple of hours or two in between the horseshoes and the fishing and the, the cooking around the campfire where I'll sit with, uh, and I probably won't really be listening. I'll probably be reading a book by somebody else telling me how to listen. Uh, but... I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just, I, I feel, yeah, that might be, uh, but I feel like that wouldn't be beneficial to the relationship. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, why would that be any different with God? So I'm not saying retreats are bad. Go to retreats, do retreats, get those big, those big chunks. You, like, yeah, you need a spring valley every once in a while. Go sit for eight hours and just be quiet and that's good but you probably should start to establish some easy-to-access spots and times and start practicing silence. Because here's the other thing. When you get there, if you haven't practiced, if, it, if it's completely foreign, then it, it's, you're gonna be, it's, the learning curve is real steep. And the, you know, it takes something drastic maybe to shock you, or it's just not as useful as it could be. So let's talk about some options that might ease you into some stuff, some things to consider. Now, I'm not saying do all of these. I pick one, maybe. Uh, these are just ideas that I had. First one, super simple, turn off your car radio. Just listen to the noise of the road. Just pick a drive. You're on your commute. Just turn off your car radio. And then Rob will be thinking about that 21 Pilots song. I saw that in your eyes. <laughs> but just turn off your car radio. Just listen to the noise. Might improve your driving. That, the, there are things that say that, that 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 is a thing. I don't believe them. I'm a great driver with the radio blaring. Never get distracted. But just turn off your car radio. You try that. That's an easy, like, quick way to start practicing some silence. Like a baby step. Number two is a journal. Now, I will be honest, this is not my jam. I don't do this. I heard this from other people, and they were like, this is really important. And, I, and there was enough people that said it that I was like, all right, I'll talk about it. Journaling's not my thing. But they say that it's, a, it's good for getting those internal thoughts out of your head. 
I'm getting nods. I can tell who the journalers are. I would recommend doing this without music, probably. Because if you're journaling without music, then the music's not affecting your mood. And so that might be better at getting things out of your head. But I'm not an expert because I'm not a journaler. That's just my, I was like, huh, I feel like that might be effective. Number three, take a walk. Now, there are steps to taking this walk, pun intended. Oh, so good. First step, leave your headphones at home. Just don't take your headphones. Just go on a walk and just listen to your environment around you. I know, it's crazy. The, the Zoomers and millennials are fighting me on this one. They're like, no, I need my podcast. Just, just leave it. In, in fact, you could even leave your phone at home. Or at least put it on do not disturb. Baby steps. Just go for a walk to start with, right? But just pay attention to everything you hear in your environment. I don't know. That, it's a good first step. So many walking puns. Uh, fourth one. Now, this is maybe the most involved example that I'll give you. Uh, I would highly recommend this, though, is practice the daily office is what they call it. Um, I got this from, I first heard about this from Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Leader. There's a lot of people that do this though. Um, and they've got some really good material on this if you're interested. But uh, basically it would look like this. You'd set an alarm for maybe three times a day. Start with one, but work up to like three times a day, morning, noon, night. And this daily office is you set aside some time to spend with God at structured times during the day. And you just interrupt your day and you just do it. It's like 10 minutes. It's a good time. Which, if you remember that 10 minutes that increases your well-being, that might be applicable. Or you could do it while you're doing hand exercises. That's good. I like that. Uh, but take 10 minutes. And, and what I would recommend is starting with two minutes of silence. It's very doable. We did like a minute and a half at the beginning of this thing. You guys did it. You can get 30 seconds more, you'll survive. Start with two minutes of silence. Then do maybe three minutes of reading through a scripted prayer. And I've got some options. If you're interested in it, you can come find me. I'll give you the PDFs. Um, and then maybe like three minutes of prayer for yourself, just talking to God about, hey, this is what I got going on today. This is where I need you. This is what I'm feeling. That sounds pretty good. And then finish with another two minutes of silence, which the symmetry of that two, three, three, two whew, speaks, to my, speaks to my organized soul. But the most important part of this is that you, you set those times and I, I would say you treat these moments and probably any of these, if you start doing any of these or any other discipline of silence, treat it as important as breathing. You're not going to just stop breathing because you're busy. Okay, most of us aren't going to just stop breathing because we're busy. <laughs> this is why I couldn't use eating as an example for this. Treat it as important. If you decide to treat this and value it, then it will have the effect that you're probably wanting it to. Number five, turn off your digital noise. Oh, this is... I know some of us are doing this for Lent off social medias. Oh, sweet release. How's that feel? So good, so good. Just pick a time of the day, though, and just... Turn off your phone. 
Like just set it down for the night or, or, but, and, and this only works if you turn off your phone and don't replace it with a bigger screen, like an iPad or a computer or a TV. Like, but just, we're bombarded by digital noise now. And so it's just, that can be some really good silence, even if you're still having conversations with people, just because it's reducing that outside stimuli. It's a good step. Uh, number six, transcribe the Bible. We've talked about this way back when, uh, but this is, this is beneficial. See, the, I mean, the Bible is God's word. That's literally God talking to us. So listening to that, spending some time in that is like listening. All right, that checks out. That mentally makes sense. But the writing aspect slows you down. And it, you can't get distracted as easily because you're writing. You can't multitask. Actually, nobody can multitask. You actually just rapidly transfer from one thing to another with your focus. Um, like that, that's just some people are better at transferring really fast and some people aren't. But nobody, your focus can only be on one thing at a time, consciously. And so by writing the Bible, transcribing it out, that brings your focus right into that. And you can't focus on, or at least it's harder to focus on anything other than that and get distracted. That might be beneficial. Last but not least is to, uh, what I'm going to say, pull a Logan, um, which would be find someplace calm to sit and wait until you have thought all of your thoughts and your brain is quiet. Now, this comes with a caveat of this will probably be this will take a long time for some, maybe some of you will be like, this sounds great. I'm going to go do this tomorrow. Um, but this could take a long time. This could be excruciating. Uh, that has been my experience because the thoughts just take a long time. And you're, But I'm kind of that, like, I'm just going to go all in on stuff. Like, I'm going to do two hours of silence. That was actually me stepping it back. Initially, I was thinking, how do I do a vow of silence for Lent? And I realized I had to preach a couple times, and that would be really difficult. <laughs> More difficult for you guys, probably. I would be entertaining for me. Um, but it might, it might be a good idea to start smaller, which now that I'm into it, I'm realizing I'm so glad I started smaller. <laughs> Maybe smaller would have been better. More smaller. Start with baby steps, though. Because that, once again, without silence and solitude... Without silence and solitude, you automatically handicap your ability to draw closer and to connect with God. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.